The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board of the Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives to that balance the coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the wings of wax and streaming through conscience of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still so be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who can trust in the sun all he wants, but I gave him a really tough one this week. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I am doing just fine. It's another day in the life of Josh. Uh, I wasn't going to look this up, but I had some. You you had some uh, delays. This not by much, but I was like, oh, I'm going to Google this now. So oh, I did no! figure out, but I have no idea what who, who this band is. I've never heard of them before. This was a tough one. So the band is Unified Theory. Uh, they are an interesting group. I've actually seen them in concert. I saw them in concert back in the day by happenstance. Uh, they were an opener for another concert I went to, um, which was Live and Counting Crows, and Unified Theory was the opener. Oh. Yeah, so this was back in the day. I figured but it was an Oleander opener because they have an Oleander vibe. Oh, I could see that. Here's the interesting thing about this situation, though, Josh, is that when I saw Unified Theory, again, back in the day, uh, they are formed with Christian was the lead vocalist, and then uh, Chris Thorne and Brad Smith are the guitar and bass player who were members of Blind Melon. Oh. And then after um, they lost their lead singer, they went on to form this band along with Dave Krusen, who was the original drummer for Pearl Jam. But like he recorded the album 10 as their drummer, but then was never in the band after that. So that was who this band was, right? Only ever did one album. I really enjoyed the album. I, I discovered them as when they were the opener at this concert. But then, small world, when Ed Kowalczyk, the lead singer of Live, and the band Live had their little falling out where mm. Ed wasn't the lead singer for for a few years in the late 2000 aughts and into the 2010s, uh, Chris Shin actually became the lead singer for Live. Oh. Which was just weird that I had seen him them in concert in separate bands prior to that but anyway their stuff is pretty trippy uh, but i enjoy it their their one album is very good it is a self-titled album called unified theory um but yeah you can definitely check them out if you want to so nice I think this stuff is good but how is uh how are things going otherwise in the life josh i mean is your weather beautiful as my weather is <laughs> um well <laughs> <laughs> on friday we had a snowstorm that's pretty exciting, Josh. It, it is April after all. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't fun. We had a snowstorm. We got about four inches of heavy, 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 heavy wet snow. Dang. Which stunk. And it was all gone by Saturday. Because <laughs> it was, you know, 60. <laughs> so right. everything melted. And tomorrow looks to be a very nice day. Today was a good day, too. Weather was okay. Just like 50s and sunny-ish. So it was like nice for moments of it the day, but tomorrow looks tomorrow looks to be the standout for the for the 
long weekend for me because in Massachusetts we have Patriots Day tomorrow, so that is a oh, state holiday. That's pretty exciting. Are you going to do anything fun? No, I mean because we can't go anywhere. So <laughs> that's you can't do fun things. <laughs> just so you can't go uh, anywhere. My wife works, but I'll be home with my son, so we'll uh, play outside. You know, well, that f- sounds nice. Have though. Fun. <laughs> yeah. It'll it'll be nice. I'll probably cook on the grill because I think it'll be nice enough to do that, and you know, just relax and enjoy the day off. That sounds great. I uh, it's been very nice here. So a few weeks ago, I've been trying to contact these different uh, companies to get quotes for some landscaping in my yard, uh, mostly because I don't want to do it myself. I could do it. Like I, I technically have the capabilities. But I'm a very lazy person, Josh. And the idea of having to do this landscaping. I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) (laughs) The idea of having to do this landscaping is a little daunting. Actually, more the reason it's uh, I want to hire it out is because I have too many projects scheduled this summer. And I I, I don't think I get all of them done. That's more like Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think I can get them all done. So I was like, oh, this will be great. You know, we can get some, you know, potentially hire someone to come out and do these things. uh, And this will be perfect. And this company was just not getting back to me and was not getting back to me. And so I started reaching out to other companies and I'm really having a hard time anyone get, getting back to me. And then finally, the first company that I had contacted gets back in touch and they're like, hey, we appreciate your interest. We're actually booked for the entire season. <laughs> so like, if you want to do something next summer, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I thought, you know, early April, actually probably end of March is when I started contacting these people. I thought I would be kind of on the later side but still kind of okay you know and they're like nah we're good we're full we can't really take anyone else that's a stimulus uh, economy for you i know and that's <laughs> what i went to i was like i bet it probably had to do with the stimulus and then suddenly people who were like yeah. oh maybe i wasn't going to get this thing done now i suddenly can so yeah well we'll see so maybe i'm going to be doing this <laughs> stupid landscaping project myself anyway so well if we have any listeners who uh no landscapers Hit up, in hit Iowa. up Kyle in Iowa. Sorry, should <laughs> yes, say that. So. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, get, I mean, us, get to us probably, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably not gonna, you know, pay for a landscaper to travel from like, you know, New Jersey. You contract, or yeah, you contract them out to put up, put them up in a hotel, try yeah. airfare. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite gonna happen that way. But that was interesting. Also, I got my first COVID shot on Friday, Josh. Congratulations! Welcome Thanks. to the club. It was pretty exciting. Uh, I got a Tweety Bird uh, band aid afterwards. It was pretty great. <laughs> so uh, they were doing it actually on my campus though so i was able to go in and make an appointment and now and, and just get it done so it was a three minute walk from my work to the place and then i walked <laughs> back to work it was great nice so yeah it, it was pretty nice to go ahead and get that done and out of the way so you know another few weeks we'll get shot number two i did kind of realize though that getting it on friday was probably a bad idea because you know shot two Obviously, for a lot of people, it's been a bit more challenging than shot one was. Hmm. Uh, and I'm like, why did I get it on a Friday? Because now I'm just going to be sick during the weekend. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> well, that's the perfect day to get it. But no, I guess if you want to use sick days, yeah, you should have scheduled yeah, it for well, a Monday. We have, spe- <laughs> we have specific COVID leave. So yeah. like, I was like, what am I doing? Well, you, can't, you, you can probably reschedule your second shot. We can't, shot. actually. They set it up so that when you schedule it, you are scheduled for your next appointment exactly three weeks later at the same uh, day and time. Well, that's weird because yeah. I, when I scheduled mine, that the same thing happened. Like they pre-set up my schedule date, but saw a woman in front of me in line. Her date was a day after mine, so it wasn't three at three because they must have been booked or something. Gotcha. So she was actually three weeks and one day past. Oh, 
So she probably has to get 14 shots now. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way that works. That's how things happen, right? Got to start from scratch. <laughs> hey, Josh, that's a pretty fancy sweatshirt you're wearing there. Oh, you can see it? I couldn't tell because of my screen. Yeah, I'm see wearing it. some of our merch. <laughs> Which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Pretty exciting. So, cool. Hey, anything else you want to talk about before we, uh, you know, start doing this whole podcast thing? Um, No. Nothing awesome. positive. <laughs> Nothing? Okay, well, let's I read reading so some, we... some negative stuff about these. I don't know if you saw, but people have been buying uh, vaccination cards that are blank on eBay and... And just filling them in themselves to pretend like they've got the COVID shots. You know, I'm really not surprised in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. I'm really not surprised. Just a giant bummer. That's the first thing I thought of because I just read it like a couple hours ago. <laughs> so, so we don't have to get into that. Yeah, just don't do that. Don't do that. We're thinking about doing it. Don't do that. All right. So thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on the Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of Place of Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. Speaking of our patrons, I do want to give a big shout out to Michael Masick, Barry Cathcart, Edwin Kahlo, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Rude Day 93, Ben Moxham, Rob Emanuel, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calico, Grouchy Sergey, Devin Tyus, Josh Borboni, that's you, RJ Kern. And <laughs> it's, that's it. Hey, it's still not listed in the pinned one. Ah, <laughs> uh, backdoor. I get you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. And Horse Girl 69. There you, you did go. It. <laughs> so those are all the live people who get shout outs. Congratulations. <laughs> you are all awesome. We appreciate you very much oh and zachary adams you as well thank you for helping us do what we can do we're also a member of the dice tower podcast network so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world we encourage you to check out the dice tower podcast as well as all the other members of the network no matter what type of board games you enjoy there's a podcast on the network that's right for you and just as a reminder the main psvg feed is going to be retired in May. So if you are listening to us only on the main feed, please do check out our feed standalone and get us there. Or you can check out the Dice Tower podcast feed overall for the network. You can find us there as well. So still plenty of places to get us. Um, but just be aware that that main PSVG feed will be going away May 10th. With that, Josh, what is your first topic this week? Oh, hey. So, it, it, well, we talked about this last week. Um there's a new Marvel United campaign on Kickstarter. Uh, no surprise here. It's like I said, we talked about it. Oh, and it's successful. Uh, also, probably not a surprise, but uh, that's not what I want to talk about here specifically, but we should at least talk about this game. It had a goal of $300,000. It is currently at $1.8 million. Pretty successful, huh? 13,000 backers, just about 14,000 if we're going to round up. There's 16 days to go. This is a full-fledged Marvel only. I mean, uh, X-Men only. And that's that's almost, that's kind of loose with it. Uh, if you're a comic book nerd, it's not necessarily X-Men only, but a uh, uh, $65 pledge will get you the base game and the exclusive villain team, uh, which includes Toad, Pyro, and Blob, and all stretch goals. So... We can talk about it. this is the same game as Marvel United. 
uh, as far as um, um, mechanics. You're going to get these three extra characters in all stretch goals. So we have Feral, Parlaris, Strong Guy, Boom Boom, Longshot, Dazzler, Sunspot, Magic, Firestar, Warpath, Phoenix, not the Phoenix you're thinking of, Sunfire, Wolvesbane, Blink, Havoc, not unlocked yet. Uh, everyone else up to Havoc was. Shadow King, Callisto, Deathbird, Arcade, Lady Deathstroke, Sauron, Silver Samurai, Legion, Emmafrost, all those have been unlocked in this campaign. Uh, and then you get the regular uh, characters. You also have the ability to back the complete first game. Also, you also have the ability to back individual expansions from the first game. These are all add-on add tiers. Um, and then you can also back at the Apocalypse Pledge, which is $100, which gets you the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse and Apocalypse um, as well, and an exclusive Storm Mohawk uh, chibi mini. Uh, so all that being said, I don't think that this part is a surprise, right? We kind of knew this would be successful. Um, do you think this would be something you would back? I've thought about it. I am not as interested in X-Men necessarily as I would have been as I probably am just the general Marvel United game. So, but since, so since I didn't back that, I don't know that I would back this. Uh, Cause this basically is just like base set two, right? Yeah, it kind of really is. Uh... So, I, so yeah, I'm interested in it. I don't. I've never backed a come on game. I don't know that this would be the first one. I've considered it though. I mean, it it is a pretty good price for all of the stuff you're getting because there are a lot of stretch goals as always. Obviously, there are also a ton of extra things you can order if you want to. Um, as as always, uh, and typical for them, you know. I do think it's interesting, and if you're going to get to this, that's uh, my apologies, that you could buy the Ultimate Classic Bundle, yeah. but it doesn't include the core box. Oh, it doesn't? I didn't know that. No. I thought I just assumed it came with it. No, because the Marvel United core box isn't in the Ultimate Classic Bundle, but it's pictured, I feel like. <laughs> There's so much scrolling to do. How do I even get to that? Optional buys. Oh boy. There's yep, it's so in the optional much. buys. Yeah. Marvel United Ultimate Classic Bundle. Yeah, the base game is in the middle. Oh, but it doesn't list it. Marvel United Core Box not included. That's bizarre. Why would they not include it? I don't I don't know. Interesting. So, they want you to buy the retail box. So I'm wondering if it's just because you get the promos that were in the core box, but you don't get the core box itself. Oh, wait. The Ultimate Classic Bundle contains everything from the original campaign except for the cardboard locations, playmat, and the original Marvel United Core box. So what? Okay, that is weird. Right. So you're just getting the expansions. Yes. Which, because probably since you have the X-Men, you don't need the Core box, I would assume. I Yeah, I mean, I guess uh, you're not getting all the characters then, though, at that point. Correct. Which I guess is like their way to reward people who were in on the first campaign. Yeah. Which and I kind of I, I kind of get that. And I guess realistically, you can just go buy the core box at whatever store you want to. Only Walmart. 
Oh, or at Walmart, if that's the store you want to buy. <laughs> I guess I hope it's Walmart. So, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm interested in this just because it is, it looks fun. It has a lot of positive hype. Uh, people really seem to like the first one. What about you? Are you going to get in on this? No, because I went to Walmart and paid $25 for the core box from the first game. <laughs> right, but you didn't get all the other extra characters. I didn't. Uh, if anything, I would maybe consider buying the extra characters through this, but I didn't. I haven't played it, so I can't... Um, like, I'm not going to just blindly back this huge thing um, because I would want to get the Ultimate Classic Bundle. Oh, gotcha. You know, but I haven't played the game yet, so I don't know that. Um, first of all, I'm not going to spend $220 on it. But second of all, uh, like, maybe if I loved the game and played it, I would consider it. Uh, or I might just consider buying, like, one of the expansions. But uh, um, no, I'm okay where I am, at least currently. Who knows? So, I brought this up not to necessarily cover the Kickstarter, but... Eric Lang, who is a designer on the game, who I respect and really enjoy, he he tweeted something that I thought, for me, maybe seemed controversial, and I was curious if you felt the same way. So his tweet was, holy God, $1 million in four hours. What a validation for the vision of a lifestyle gateway game. I'm so proud of the team That's my uh, that my head's going to fly off. So my question to you is... Do we think, do you think a gateway game should have a specific price of entry or is there like a price for a gateway game that is too much and not to lead you into this, but I don't view a $65 base game without expansions in my head as a gateway game. Now I know that I went to Walmart and spent and paid, you know, 25 to 30 bucks for the base game for Marvel United, but for a gateway game, Shouldn't that be leading you into something where you can purchase more expansions when you want to and not through like half a Kickstarter? Because if I go and buy Marvel United and I love it at Walmart, I have no way to get the expansions. That is a good point. That's a very good point because most people who are quote unquote gateway gamers probably, I'm guessing, aren't super big users of Kickstarter for board games. Or even know about Kickstarter. Or even know about Kickstarter <laughs> for board games. So that's an excellent point. I do find it interesting that in Eric Lang's tweet, at no point does he mention what game he's talking about. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> Which, granted, more than likely, you would know if you're following Eric Lang what game he's talking yeah, about. But yeah. he never actually says it. So I, I do think that's kind of funny. That is a good point, Josh, though. I never really thought about that. And you're right. You know, when you look at Marvel United right now, you can get the base game. As an example, it is uh, 35 bucks right now on Amazon, right? Which is great. And, you know, it is a very lightweight game. I think the weight on Board Game Geek is only a 1.89. So it's very lightweight, really easy to learn. Um, the ranking's pretty good. It's 965 overall. Really, anything in the top 1,000 is very, very good. Uh, so it's in good shape. But that, whew. I didn't realize it was on Amazon. I, th I thought maybe it was just a Walmart timed exclusive. I do know that you get uh, a Venom figure at Walmart in the box. Well, it does say uh, see all buying options, so I don't know that it's actually like. Oh, it might on, be a third party seller. Yeah. Yep. I gotcha. And actually, that's very weird because now it's on here and it says it's $55, even though on the little mm -hmm. thing it said it was 35 But anyway, neither here nor there. Yeah. I'm sure at Walmart, like you said, 
25, 30 bucks. And this doesn't come with the, so this does look individual because it doesn't have that, like, the Venom, like, card on the front of the box. So it looks like it could be at other retailers. Yeah. And, and that's probably what I'm, I'm guessing as well. Yeah. But, yeah. Hmm. Lifestyle gateway game. What does that mean to you, Josh? Lifestyle gateway game. I don't know that I've heard it used as lifestyle gateway game, but maybe it's just a reference to, uh, I don't know, fandom, perhaps? I don't really know. I don't know what he means by a lifestyle fan. Like, Because when I think of a lifestyle game, I tend to think of heavier games or things like Warhammer or magic or something sure. like that where it is kind of I don't say all consuming but it is the big thing that you are into you know that like oh I play magic and I also do this other stuff or like that is your major kind of hobby that's what I think when I hear lifestyle game is that it's something that you kind of wrap yourself around so to me that seems that we're going to be getting a whole lot more Marvel United then right yeah I mean I guess yeah if you're, if they're using it in that way yes so I, I I'm really happy for their success as always. I mean, clearly oh, people sure. really love these games. Um, I appreciate. I know we've talked about this a lot. I appreciate how clear they are about shipping. Yes. Um, on the Kickstarter, they're very very clear about the shipping costs, which is great. They as they should be. Uh, it, depending on where you live, it's going to be very expensive to ship this game. Uh, if you live in um iceland is a 90 to 125 dollars if you choose the double two wave shipping um but in the united states you know not too bad that you know anywhere from 15 to 42 dollars depending um, and that's whether you do one wave or two wave shipping uh how do you feel josh about this you know idea that hey you will get the base game you know in september around when it hits retail yeah but then you'll get all the rest of your stuff if you choose the two wave shipping in may roughly of 2022 or if you want to just pay for shipping once you'll just get everything in may including the base game um so you're kind of waiting for you know a solid six plus months after everyone else yeah you know this i think they did ran into this a little bit last time with the first wave of the Mm -hmm. or the first iteration of this game and obviously they're being very clear about it this time do you think all the extra character minis like is that enough to justify the the paying for two waves of shipping and all that good stuff well yeah i mean they did this with the first campaign um i mean if you can wait you might as well do one wave right it seems silly um i think what'll be interesting is if you remember last year or, or or two years ago whenever the first one ended after the campaign ended they announced an exclusivity deal with walmart and it would be in the stores before yep People got it, so I'm curious if that's going to happen again with this, where after the Kickstarter ends, then they announce like a Target deal or a Walmart deal where they're like, hey, you can get the base box, but it doesn't have all the stuff that you guys backed, but it'll be available early. (laughs) Yeah, they said that if you choose the two-wave shipping, um, it says that it is estimated to deliver around September 2021, about the same time as the core box goes to retail. There you go. Yeah. Okay. But it says about. Yeah. <laughs> so that might mean three or four weeks after. Yeah. Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. And it'll be interesting what the, 
retail box is going to cost because they're asking you for 65 bucks for the base game plus the th- just three characters in the stretch goals. So I'm going to guess it's probably going to be another $30 game at the retailers. Yeah. And then the se- and then the second wave will contain everything else in your pledge, including the box of stretch goals. Yes. And I'll optimize. You don't even get those so, right away. <laughs> yes, you don't even get those right away. You're literally getting the exact same game that is being offered in the retail stores, which, like I said, they're being very clear about it, so that's totally fine. Yes, 100%. Since they're being transparent about it, that is 100% okay. And I'll probably just buy this for $30, and I can use it with my other Marvel United game. There so I'm essentially just getting an X-Men expansion. <laughs> that's right. There you go. That's pretty awesome. So, you know, I... What do you think they do next then? If they've had the had the core one and then they had this one, and if they're talking about it as a lifestyle gateway game, I mean, do, do you think they just mean that people who are really into comics, this is how to get them into board games, or do yeah. you think we're gonna get like what's next for Marvel United? It has to be Marvel, like unless they change it to DC United. Like, uh, it's tough because they they started in in general Marvel, right? Right. So they covered they, they covered a lot of bases in that. And then they, they were like they picked the second largest Marvel property, um, which is X Men. There's not a lot more that they can make as a standalone. Like they could do Spider Man, but they already have Sinister yes. Six and all the right. Spider Man villains and a Spider Verse expansion. So they can't really do that. They can like I don't know. Maybe do an MCU one where they it, try but to isn't like that kind of the first one. Yeah, it kind of really is. So I don't know where they go with Marvel. Could they go with like, is it big enough or it maybe potentially could become back to be big enough for them to do like Fantastic Four? They could do Fantastic Four, um, but that would have to be small. That's expansion size. There's not enough Fantastic Four. You know, they could do an anti-hero set. Yeah. So you get like the Punisher and Moon Knight and oh, Deadpool and uh, there's a lot there. Uh, Venom, even though he's 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 kind of an anti-hero now. Or they could do like a Villains United set. But um, yeah, it's tough because they're putting so many characters in. But I guess when you're putting characters into stretch goals, I don't know that that takes them away from being able to put them into a core set. That's a good point. That's a very good point. There's I mean, no reason pe- they the can. People, the people, you know, the, the certain people will complain, but like realistically, but they, have they have to. Right? Yeah, realistically, they have to uh, understand that they're not going to be able to. I mean, they're they're pulling, they put strong guy in here, so they're pulling some obscure X Men characters. I appreciate it. I had my strong guy figure. I loved strong guy, uh, but. They're really pulling some boom, boom. They're pulling some rare um, characters. So uh, I'm, I'm sure they have a list of people that they're holding off on. Silver Surfer, but, Galactus, yeah. Doctor Doom. Yeah, they could definitely do a Fantastic Four, but not a full game, I don't think. I've, I always had the, I was always kind of under the assumption that prior to the MCU kind of really taking off, that you know, X-Men, Fantastic Four, and Spider-Man really were their biggest properties, right? Like, realistically, prior to, like, if you think of pre-Iron Man movie days, like yeah. Iron Man, Thor, Captain, Captain America, America, maybe not so much, but still, like, like they really weren't, like, their top-tier characters. X-Men was always the biggest seller for Marvel, right. like, hands down. Um, 
no contest. So, and then Spider-Man was probably close second. Right. And would you argue Fantastic Four was more or less popular than the Avengers? No, it wasn't as popular as the Avengers uh, or even Captain America, I don't think. Don't think so? Okay. Again, I'm not a comic person. This is kind of what's been told to me. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I mean, I going could be to your totally wrong, but that's just from like my circles as a kid. Gotcha. Cool. Anything else about uh, Marvel United or uh, lifestyle lifestyle gateway game you want to talk about? I'm going to have to figure out what a lifestyle gateway game is, but I would say I do not think this fits with a gateway game in my mind as a description of a gateway game. You don't think so? Not with the price tag. Not $65 okay. plus $280 for all the content. <laughs> gotcha. No, I, could, I, I think that's reasonable. What is the price of a gateway game? I, I think you're looking 30 to 40 bucks for a gateway game. You're trying to get people in the door. You're not trying to scare them away yeah. with the high price tag. And um, if you can go buy a ticket to ride for 30 bucks at Walmart, that is that is a gateway game and that is a gateway game price in my mind. Yeah. Well, and I think that's what uh, Horrified and Jaws and those yep. games have done a really good. They come in, you know, in that $25, $30 range mm-hmm. uh, and they're really good games for that price. So yep. Absolutely. But awesome. All right, Josh. Well, my first story is it's maybe happening, question mark. We've both <laughs> talked a lot about uh, on this podcast about how there really is no Metacritic per se for games, right? We do have Board Game Geek that exists where users can rate games, but we don't have a Metacritic style where it's reviewer aggregated, aggregated, aggregate, however you want to say that. It's not an average of the reviewer scores, right? It's mm-hmm. Board Game Geek is the re- user scores of a whole bunch of people who kind of go in. Well, there is now uh, rumblings, and I shouldn't even say rumblings. There is a, an attempt here from the website Board Game Atlas to create a critic review feature on their website. Uh, there is a story about this on Dicebreaker. You are welcome to check out. Alternatively, you can also just go to boardgameatlas.com um, where they have information there. But basically what they want to do is they want to put together a community, a critic system and a community system where there is a score from top critics, which is going to be 100 critics, I believe. And then there is going to be the community score where you can rate games as you would as like on any other system. Uh, so this is pretty interesting. The enrollment period for this is April 14th to April 24th. So we're in the midst of it right now. Uh, and maybe the 100 is wrong. It's just at the 100-point scale. Yeah, games are going to be rated on a 100-point scale. So to apply, Josh, here's what you need to do. For print, you have to have a minimum of 4,000 followers across all platforms, such as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and others. For audio or video reviews, you have to have a minimum of 2,000 subscribers across platforms such as YouTube, TikTok, Twitch, or similar distribution networks. No one platform is weighed heavier than any other, and that a critic that is primarily invested in one platform is just as important, if not more, than a critic that is represented across multiple platforms. Now, they said they have already are have had conversations with some critics. I, I don't know who those are, um, but that's what they are saying, is that they already have some folks kind of tapped to be on board. Um, but you can apply then to kind of become one of these critics. They said that all candidates will go through a vetting process and be, and be evaluated against their criteria. And the next enrollment period will be announced soon, but you can expect two to four opportunities per year in order to apply. Now, Josh. Metacritic is interesting because there is a 
hidden algorithm that we don't know about that sites such as IGN or GameSpot, like on the Metacritic rating system, those sites ratings or review scores count more than smaller sites do. We don't know exactly the breakdown or how it works. They've never revealed that, but do you think a, that's going to be some sort of feature for this website or for this, Mm. uh, attempt and B, is this something we need in the board game world, Josh? What are your thoughts just in general in hearing about this critic, um, you know, creating this Metacritic-style scoring for board games? I didn't even know this website existed. <laughs> and they have a pretty pretty good search for games on sale. Yeah. Uh, which I'm looking at now, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm really surprised that this isn't something that Board Game Geek is doing first. Um, but yeah, I mean, we need this uh, to a degree. Like, I, I don't know that I'm going to rely on it uh, for like if there's a game I'm I want to like buy, I'm going to buy it. But um, wow, Red Rising is only thirty two dollars, and we get ripped off. <laughs> um, oh, there's two versions. That's of not Red the collector's Rising. edition. Yeah, yeah, the collector's, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's important that that they uh, they have these critics, and it's nice that they can incorporate user reviews kind of like board game geek does um i like that they're sourcing and they have a pretty pretty i would say solid um qualifications to become a qualified reviewer uh i hope that they don't use hidden metrics because obviously that almost eliminates the reason to have a, a critic score which i still don't like that that is like that for metacritic but yeah, I mean, this it's great. So, uh, I uh, am happy that they're doing this. And I mean, it sounds like they're ready to get the ball rolling if their cutoff date is the end of this week, which is nice. Maybe, well, I'm definitely going to have to bookmark them now, but like maybe we'll see something where um, we'll be able to get not just like a Dice Tower review video and we can actually see where Dice Tower lines up with. Um, shut up and sit down and all these other places as well assuming they all sign up to be critics <laughs> right yeah it, it's uh i can't decide if i feel like we need this or not because so many reviewers don't score games on a scale so now are they going to have to try to translate how they typically score games to a scale and we've talked very uh distinctly about how most board game reviewers don't say, oh, this game is a 7 out of 10. It's a recommended or not recommended or something along those lines because trying to take the essence of what a board game is and how a board game works uh, and put a score on it, it's hard. And it's just like it is for video games. And there's a lot of conversations about whether scoring video games works or makes sense. Hmm. Um, I do think one thing that's nice about Board Game Geek is that because board gaming is small enough still, you don't really see review bombing and things like that too often in yeah. board games, right? It is usually, usually a genuine representation of the way people feel about the quality of a game. Now, there are exceptions to that, but they're very specific exceptions where a Kickstarter gets horribly run or something like that mm-hmm. happens where you start to maybe see a board game's uh, board game geek score be affected. That it's not just the quality of the game, but it's the quality of the experience of getting the game that they're scoring. So... Yeah, I 
I'm going to definitely check this out. I'm interested in what they're going to do. I'll be very interested to know, is this just going to be for new games going forward? Are they going to start to ask them to say like, hey, you know, think of your top 100 games or go to the top 100 games on the board game geek and like rate those too. Like, how are they going to decide and like how many ratings do they have to have before a game gets a critic rating? Yeah. You know, so those are all things I'm interested to find out more about. Um, so, yeah, I, I think this is cool, though. I, I appreciate and applaud them for giving it a go and trying something that we don't have and trying to create that opportunity to um, bring something like this to the board game industry and, and to the enthusiast press, per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if we need it, but I'm definitely interested to check it out and see how it works. So we'll we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Their Board Game Atlas is a cool website. I've only used it like once or twice before. Uh, but they do do a nice job if you're looking for uh, deals, if you're looking for Kickstarters and all that good stuff. Like they they do a nice job of kind of keeping all that stuff um, at your fingertips, so you don't have to necessarily go to a ton of different places to check prices and kind of all that good stuff. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of nice. So any other thoughts on this or anything else you want to talk about when it comes to board game Atlas and kind of trying to create that Metacritic? Uh, no, I I just I think it's nice that they're uh, attempting at least to do it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Cool. Josh, what is your second topic then? Uh, my second topic, well, I changed it. It was something different, and now it is uh, an announcement that was made last week from uh, Jeff Keighley's Summer Games Fest um, account. I, I don't know, it's, it's like YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all that stuff. <clears throat> all we knew leading up to it was it was called Core. They didn't really tell us what it was. And then we had our our video and and whatnot, and um, essentially, Core is. I I want to say it's a gaming platform. It it kind of is. It kind of isn't. You have to download it through the Epic Game Store. But essentially, uh, what we uh, saw was Core. Um, I'm taking this from Game Informer. Uh, arrives as a free to play platform um, on the Epic Game Store. So. Uh, the way after me watching the video, the way I would describe it is, um, what dreams is for PlayStation. It is for PC to a degree. Uh, it is a, uh, a gaming tool set, if you will, for wannabe developers or creators of games. Uh, it is also a uh you can like procedurally generate worlds if you want or certain things there's like tools where you can cut into mountains and landscapes to create your own like literally customize your own levels um and not only that but you can also play all of these games for free as well <clears throat> so what you do is when you when you start up you you download core and then you end up in a overworld, um, which if you've played games like maybe Dauntless or even Fortnite before you're in the games, you're in like this hub world, I should say. It's a hub world. And you can have a mount, which is pretty cool. You can customize your character to a degree. And then you can either go to their like list of all their games or you can walk around to their featured games. And there's like tiers of featured games there's like the main lobby area which has like three featured games one of them is a like a mobile like league of legends style game 
Uh, one of them is a shooter. I don't remember what the other one was. Um, and then you can go into these like sub hubs <laughs> in the background where they have maybe 10 featured games per hub. And literally all you do is walk through a portal and it puts you right into the game. So I, I went in and did this today and I played a bunch of different types of games. I played a Fortnite game that was literally Fortnite. I played a first person shooter. I played that mobile game and I played, um, mini golf, which is probably my favorite of all the games I played. Um, I would say it's still rough. You know, this is definitely people creating games that may not have the experience. It's also, um, like B movie versions of popular games. Even the golf game I played, it was fun, but it was a generic golf with friends, which is a generic golf game anyways. You know, it's a generic mini game, uh, mini golf game. I still had fun. It was free. So that was nice. Um, and what I thought was cool is in some of the games, you can still summon your mount and use it to, to fast travel real quickly. So in the Fortnite game, I was like summoning my horse mount to run to different spots. Um, so that was kind of fun. but. Uh, it has a lot of potential, I think. There's a horror game I want to try, um, but there is currently there are currently over twenty thousand games available to play for free on Core, and I would imagine more and more um, now that people are on there creating their own games as well. Uh, you have any interest? You know about this? Uh, is this something that you'd want to play around in? Uh, yeah, this is something I would want to play around in. I have liked what I have played of Dreams, but usually when I'm sitting down at my television or my PlayStation, Dreams isn't necessarily kind of the first thing that's at my mind. However, sitting down at a computer and doing something like this is something that would be kind of fit in with all of that. So this is something I'm interested in. It does seem pretty cool. I like the idea of of having that shared hey, you can make things and you can use things other people have made. And if you can't find what you're looking for, then you can just make it. And you really gives you a lot of flexibility. Like you said, I don't know that any of these games are probably ever going to get to the polish and quality necessarily of other titles. But I think this is a really cool way to uh, proof of concept things, to start trying things out and see if things would work, uh, to potentially start building a game to pitch and see if people enjoy it so you can get support to make it a really well-polished game. So things like this, I think, are really neat. Anything that helps people uh, explore their creative side in a way and let other people have, you know, experience what they're they're creating, I think is cool. So this seems really neat. Uh, I hope it's successful and definitely something I think I'll check out. So Nice. Well, there you go, Any- Core. It's out there. You can try it for free if you have PC. Just need an Epic Game Store account. I mean, it's free, so check it out. The worst case, you just uninstall it. So that's what I would say. Give it a shot. Awesome. So that is Core over on the Epic Game Store. Josh, my second story is that, hey, those fine folks over at Nintendo had an Indie World presentation. Did you Ooh. watch this presentation, Josh? I did. Oh, what did you think of it? Um, I thought it was fine, as I okay. think normally their things are. <laughs> okay. So they took some time to about 20 minutes or so, just talked about some indie games that were coming mostly soon-ish uh, to Switch. There was a whole huge list of games. Uh, so I don't know if I necessarily am going to go through all of them, but just a couple that I wanted to kind of point out here and see what your thoughts were, Josh. 
Hmm. Uh, one that I was really excited about was Ollie Ollie World. Have you played the Ollie Ollie games at all? You know, I was trying to remember if I tried the first one or not, and I can't recall if I did. Um, so I'm going to guess no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's okay. I really enjoyed Ollie Ollie 1 and 2. I thought they were a lot of fun. I played them on Vita, which maybe is why I enjoyed them so much. Uh, but I think they're really cool. And this is definitely a change in art style and kind of a change in the way that they're doing things. But still, um, Roll7, the folks who I think it's Roll7 who has made Ollie Ollie are really, really fun games. So I trust them and, and that they're able to create like a neat, engaging, fun uh, side-scrolling skateboard game. So if you're interested in that, definitely check out the other ones, but also keep Ollie Ollie World on your list of games that are coming in the future. One game that I'm not interested in, but I think is I want to just applaud the fact that this game got made is The Longing. This is the game that it plays out over 400 days in real time. Oh, yes. So (laughs) the thing I don't know for sure is like, like once I start it, does the time just keep counting or do I have to actually be in the game for 400 days? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That would be funny if you did. (laughs) Because my goodness gracious, that is a thing. So like I said, I don't know that I'm interested in this game, but I am very, I applaud them that, uh, (laughs) they, that this game got made and that Nintendo thought it was cool enough that they put it on this indie direct, like more power to you. Uh, we saw again Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge, which had been yeah. released earlier. That game still looks awesome. Do you have anything additional you want to say about that? Ninja Turtles? I can't wait. Yeah. It looks incredible. I agree. That game looks super, super cool. Uh, Skull the Hero Slayer, Josh. Mm. I'm really looking forward to this. I do enjoy uh, games in the similar genre to this when you have those roguelites where you're kind of going through. Uh, in this one, you play Skull, and there are, I think they said like a hundred different Skull heads that you can get that give you different yeah. powers as you go through. Uh, so this game looked really fun, really cool, something I'm definitely looking forward to that comes out this summer. Uh, outside of that, the l- other game that I think was most interesting to me was Oxenfree 2. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the first Oxenfree. It was very weird. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, so I think I probably would enjoy playing Oxenfree too. Uh, so yeah, that was something that I kind of always wondered if that was going to come or if there was going to be a sequel to that game. So I'll probably check that out. Uh, I saw that Fez was coming to switch, which is kind of cool. I played that game back in the day. had fun with it. I actually, one of the few games I hundred percented, um, oh, wow. the original Fez. Yeah. Which was kind of hard. Like actually there were one of the, one of the puzzles <laughs> in that game was extremely challenging and I, don't know why I took the time to figure it out, but I did. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, any other games, Josh, that you were interested in or, or general thoughts on Indie World? I mean, they always do a solid job in Indie World. Um, for me, The Last Stop looks pretty interesting. Uh, no, sorry, Road 96, not The Last Stop. Road 96, okay. which was uh, um, a procedural game where, where they, like... It seems like it's different for everyone as they play it. Um, it seemed interesting. Uh, I don't know that, you know, it's tough for me to jump into these indie games when I have Game Pass already, and that's where I get my fill of my indie games. Um, and House <laughs> of the Dead remake looked interesting. I don't know if they're going to use the, the, the um, Joy-Cons to simulate the gun or are they going to put out a little gun thing for it, um, but I used to love House of the Dead, so... Um, I'm, I'm I'm interested to see what that ends up being, but yeah, that's and you named the other ones I was interested in at least a little bit. Gotcha. Yeah. So nice job by then. I th- it was kind of interesting because um, not Nintendo's main account, but they took a little shot at Xbox. Did you see this? 
No, I missed them. Oh, maybe yeah, I didn't. I just didn't catch it. Oh, because they just made a joke about how that they're going to be doing their little indie world presentation, and they promised it'll only be twenty minutes. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, man, ouch. whatever. Like, I thought the Xbox showcase, like you know, if you were interested in games in there, you got a lot of cool information. So you didn't even have to necessarily watch the whole thing if you don't want to. You can just check out the things you're interested in. But yeah. hey, neither here nor there. So. Anyway, so nice job, Nintendo Indie World Showcase. Uh, I thought it was a totally fine indie showcase. There were definitely things I'm interested in, some things I'm not, but that's okay. That's the way indies kind of go and what's cool about them. So Mm -hmm. awesome. Josh, what is your third topic this week? Hey, the rumor mill is hot and we might be getting a Metal Gear board game after all. But based on the timing of the cancellation of the previous one and this one, could it even possibly remotely be relatively good? Who knows? this is from Dicebreaker, um, an unannounced Metal Gear game by IDW, by the way, um, right. <laughs> which they would have no reason to be making another Metal Gear game while currently having Emerson make one, unless someone's like, oh my god, we need to make a Metal Gear game quick, because I don't think this is going to go. Um, but uh, some box art has been leaked online, and it's called Metal Gear Solid Psycho Mantis Battle, uh, which has very official art-looking Metal Gear stuff on it. And I have no reason to doubt this game's um, um, whatever. It's it has it has game designers on it. Adam Metal. <laughs> and Pete Walsh. So maybe that's the fake part. <laughs> His name is Metal. Uh it's probably Metal, right? Not Metal. Um Yeah, so less than two months after the cancellation of, of our game that we were really looking forward to, we have this just game that popped up. Um we don't know anything about it. We know that yeah, Adam B. Metal <laughs> and Pete Walsh, who uh, departed IDW Games earlier this year. <laughs> uh, are the two co-designers listed on the front of the box with the game being attributed to publish IDW? Uh, so I guess my to fight the rumor mill. Uh, why would they put a game a game where the guy just left the <laughs> company? Uh, maybe they were always working on this. I suppose is also a possibility. Um. It just seems odd. What do you think? Do you think there's any? Do you think this is going to happen? Do you think it was happening? Well, here is something that is curious. I'll say about this is that the Dicebreaker post links to it says, "Hey, a Reddit user called Mister Blub Blub," which links to the Reddit post. Mm-hmm. But when you go to the Reddit post, that Reddit post has been deleted. Ah, so that means it is real. <laughs> but also, if you click on the links that say like, hey, here's like the Metal Gear Solid Psycho Mantis Battle cover art, that page still exists on artpotions.com slash MGS. Yeah. Like it's still that's it's still a thing that's there. This is really confusing and interesting, and I really want to know what in the world's going on. Because Konami has been teasing a Metal Gear announcement on their Twitter that some people thought was going to be the reveal of a like remake of the video game. But then other people are like, oh, maybe it's this board game instead. But it's just so fascinating that Emerson's game gets canceled. But then there's this other game, unless this... I don't even know what to think of this. Because part of me is like, <laughs> hey, 
was this part of Emerson's design that just got co-opted into this other game potentially? Right. You know, I don't even I don't even know. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on, Josh. What is happening? <laughs> Josh, what's happening with this game? I don't know. It's interesting that that this came out. I mean, obviously I understand people can fabricate um box art probably pretty easily, but uh it just kind of seems legit. And I mean, I don't I don't know how they're going to make Psycho Mantis battle work cuz like and like that's probably the hardest part of the board game is to make the fourth wall breaking psychomantis like stay true to that character in a board game. And that's just like unless it's like literally like throw your board game out of your window and, and wait ten minutes and then go get it <laughs> and then you win. <laughs> like I don't know how they're gonna do like psychomantis. Yeah, that is so interesting. You couldn't beat psychomantis with the first player controller. You had to plug in a second player controller. And use it. Like, <laughs> it was really weird how they met, they used him. So, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, Josh. Okay, so this is the fun part of, like, just doing research as we're doing these things. So, it sounds like, Josh, this is actually an additional canceled game. Oh, they also canceled this one? That this one was also canceled. Yes. So, um... So some a user named Stay Unspoiled, hmm. whose name is Pigeon Pete, like someone linked him in this um in the Reddit, and he says, "Yep, that's the game I co-designed for IDW. 100 has been canceled. It was a two-player PvP game with minis. It featured bidding and programming. Good news is Blacklist has picked it up, and we are in the process of reskinning it. Oh. so." And it says, somebody says retheming as well, or will it retain the license? He says no longer Metal Gear Solid, unfortunately. So this looks like actually a second canceled board game for Metal Gear Solid. Well, I yeah, there we go. <laughs> I said rumor mill, and I didn't do any research. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I was doing research while we were talking. So, but that begs the question, Josh: If this was an ITW game mm. and Emerson's was an ITW game. Does that mean that Konami canceled them? Or does this mean that IDW was like, yo, we don't have the monies for this. We out. We can't do this anymore. Well, based on what Emerson said, I don't think it's Konami, right? Because he's now working with them to some degree to try to get this game made. So it sounds more like IDW. Maybe they didn't want to take the risk. Maybe they did some like market research and didn't think this was a valuable IP for them to have. I don't know. Yeah, it just it seems like th- that IDW is in financially, I think, in a tough spot, uh, and, and I'm wondering if this is just they just canceled a whole bunch of their games or any game that maybe they had to pay a licensing fee for. Yeah. So whether like this and the Super Bomberman and all that stuff that they just can't swing that anymore. So you know, games are getting canceled. It is interesting that they're just like oh yeah we're taking this game we're just retheming it does something else i could have someone else publish it yeah <laughs> which is just something you you it makes sense but when you think about it it's like oh yeah this was that metal gear solid game that got canceled that is now a <laughs> i know this is an emerson game but like oh but now it's spec ops you know like yeah it that's just, his, yeah that's his yeah. so but yeah so that's oh man i really hope that <laughs> they're able to 
get Emerson's game out because it just seems so ambitious. And I know he had put so much darn time into it. Not that it doesn't happen with a ton of board games. Um, and one thing I was having a talk with my partner about is that obviously we got our copies of Red Rising from mm-hmm. Stonemeyer Games. And uh, one thing that they do with their initial uh, release of games is that they will sometimes number them. And these ones are numbered up to 15,000. And it's just so fascinating that that's a really good board game launch, right? Like 15,000 copies of something is a lot. Yeah. And if you think about that from the context of video games or movies, like 15,000 of something is 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 not good enough, right? Right. Um, <laughs> so as a result, I, I think that there's a lot, both more and less risk in the sense that if you print a few of something and it doesn't sell, it's usually not as big of a deal. But it's really, really hard to get someone to even commit to that because making money is so darn hard in the board game industry. You know, for every, you know, Marvel United you have, you have um, Dose, which, you know, is a game we both enjoy, yeah. but it's just, you know, not going anywhere right now in Kickstarter. So it's tough, but hopefully someday, you know, this game will happen. You know, <laughs> and we're getting our next Emerson game soon here anyway. Mm-hmm. So as Foundations of Rome is being produced and it looks cool and plasticky and big so that's pretty exciting so try to get him back on for that i for agree that, that release. should be great all right josh anything else about the rumor mill regarding metal gear solid board games um no now i'm just embarrassed kind <laughs> no <laughs> reason to be embarrassed i had to do research to figure these things out yeah, I know. Keep reminding me. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no, I mean, honestly, I probably wouldn't be mad at another Metal Gear game, but <clears throat> IDW has this thing where, like, I just bought that Batman Rogues Gallery board game. Yeah. And, like, I had no interest in it when it came out at full price because it didn't look good. I got it because it was eight bucks at Barnes & Noble. Um, and I feel like they're kind of like, not to, like, slight IDW games at all, but they're kind of like the budget board gaming um, with the licenses. It's like, you know, when an Iron Man video game comes out, what to expect. And I think that's kind of similar for me with like licensed games from IDW. Right. Yeah. I can, I can see that for sure. So, all right. Well, Josh, my final story this week is that while we knew E3 was coming back and some people have confirmed that they'll be there, Ubisoft has gone as far as telling us when their next Ubisoft forward is going to be, Mm. and it will be June 12th at noon Pacific time. So with them committing to their time and their day, I figured, Josh, we might as well be nice and help them figure out what they should have at their Ubisoft showcase for E3. Does that sound like a plan? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So, Uh, Josh struggles. (laughs) Real quick. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so, Josh, some things that we already know about that we haven't seen. We're just going to talk about briefly whether or not we feel like these will be there. So don't worry. I'm going to give you some information. This, will, <laughs> this won't be too bad. Okay. So one game that was already supposed to be out that's been delayed. Um, well, there's a couple of those. But we'll, for, first one we'll talk about is Riders Republic. Hmm. Do you think that we will get more information about Riders Republic prior to E3, or do you think we'll get the next update at E3? Do you remember what this game was? Yeah, this was the basically um, the next Trials Rising uh, meets Steep game. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
This has to, well, you know, I hesitate to say that because it was supposed to be out in February. We got should, delayed. I was about to say this is definitely a game that shouldn't have any hangups, but we're also waiting on Roller Champions, which was going to be the next game I was going to ask. Which you should about. have been a game that was out a year ago already. So I don't know where I sit on Riders Republic. If I'm being honest, do you think Riders Republic will still hit this calendar year? Yeah, I think it has to, right? I think so. I think that and Roller Champions has to. They both have to come out this year. Yeah, I would assume so too. I think Roller Champions has had betas at this point, uh, so I, I anticipate Roller Champions. We might might even get before E three. If not, I, I feel we'll get a solid release date for both of these games at E three. I think we'll see Riders Republic again with a release date, potentially even still the summer, maybe August or something like that. Um, and same with Roller Champions. I think Roller Champions actually might come out around E3. That wouldn't surprise me if it was a available now or available next week type of a situation with that game, just based off of the type of game it is. So any other thoughts on Riders Republic or Roller Champions? No. <laughs> okay. So the next game I'm going to ask you about then was a game that suppo- was going to come out and then got delayed and now got delayed again, as far as I know. Far Cry 6. Mm. Now, if I recall, mm-hmm. this was originally slated for February, yep. and then got delayed till May, and now got delayed to, to be to be announced, if I recall correctly. Does that sound right? Yeah, Best Buy canceled my pre-order. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> so, I mean, safe to assume probably that we're going to see Far Cry 6 at their event, yes? Yeah, we need some gameplay. Uh, we haven't seen anything gameplay-wise. Right. So, do you think this game is still coming this year? No. Oh, you think it's 2022 now? I think Q1 22. Oh, so like a whole year delay, you think? They're working with the they're working with Fire Cry, a game that they like to like reinvent every every sequel, and it's their first next gen Fire Cry. I think that they they take some extra time and make the game work, <laughs> so yeah. to speak. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you could honestly you could put out Fire Cry Five graphically the the way that game looked now and it would still look incredible on next gen mm-hmm. but i have a feeling with how well polished fire cry 5 was they can make 6 even better so yeah I, I, like you said i think it's a far a foregone conclusion that we'll see it i do think gameplay would be super good i could see this game potentially coming out this fall slash winter i could still see it being a 2021 game yeah um, just because as we talk about here in a moment too we'll have to see what other games potentially uh, they are going to have coming out because I think that's going to be the big question. So the other game, well, the other couple games that we know for sure um, exist is the uh, Prince of Persia: Sands of Time remake. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Do you think we see more about that game at E3, or do is that a game they just stop talking about and just release at some point? So they already delayed it, right? They put out a they statement yep. delaying it. So here's my thought on this: if the game still looks the same as what we saw. Yeah. Don't even show it. Okay. At all. Maybe maybe they're working on like maybe they could show they remastered a CG trailer they could show, but don't show any more of that game unless they're changing the remake in a different like and they're remaking it differently. Uh, don't show it at all. That's what I would say for that. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I don't I feel like they always pretty much show all of their games that they can. Yeah. So part of me thinks that they will show it, but it ooh, this might be a game where it's just better for them to release at some point and not make a big deal of because the feedback has never been good unless they can drastically change, like you said, 
the look of this game, uh, I think it's going to be a tough sell um, for them to, to come back in and show again. Uh, another game that we have seen some information about, and I suppose is now just a placeholder name, but Rainbow Six Parasite. Yeah. Do you think that's something that game again also was already supposed to be out by now, but is has no date. Uh, do you think that's something that I, I'm assuming that's something we see, right? Yeah, I think we see it, and I think it comes out in September. Oh, okay, okay. I think it's. So. I mean, I think it's. I think they delayed it to, to like, like tweak it, but like they're using the same Rainbow Six Siege engine, so they probably have a lot of it down already. Yeah, and there's been a lot of leaks with this game. There's been a gameplay leaked already. There, there, you can find some quite a bit of information if you if you want to go look for it. Yeah. So, uh, like you, I think this game is right around the corner. I think it's coming out sooner rather than later. Um, one game then, Josh, that we need to talk about because you know it's kind of the <laughs> elephant in the room, I guess. Well, we'll get to the big, big elephant in the room. Uh, Skull of Bones. Where, where there Josh. might be a literal elephant in the game. Yeah, uh, Skull of Bones, <laughs> Josh. Is uh, this game ever coming out? No. Do you think we see it? Nope. I don't wow. think Just I don't no. think this game is coming out ever. Yeah, uh, not in the way we've seen it. Okay. So maybe they rename it. Maybe we get. Maybe we see it, but it's it's not the same title. Um. But honestly, as it is titled Skull and Bones, I don't think we see it. Do you think the renaming is just more to give the game a fresh start and to get away from the? baggage that the name currently has if they choose to rename it do you think that's why they would choose to rename it i think they have to change yeah i I, well i what i think happened was i think they changed the perspective in which the game is played so i think they have to rename it uh because it's been delayed for so long you might as well approach it as if it's a new game because even if keeping it skull and bones i think uh it's going to bring that like that reputation with it and they can't i would imagine as PR for Ubisoft is that you don't want people thinking about a three-year delayed game. You want people thinking about a new, exciting pirate game. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. Some other games that, you know, just kind of curious if you think we'll see something about them, maybe see something related to DLC for them, your thoughts on them in general. Um, Massive obviously had the big announcement that they are now working on a Star Wars game. Yes. Um, I I don't anticipate we're going to see anything from that (laughs) this year. But do you think they'll talk about The Division 2 at all? There has been rumor or mention that potentially they're still working on additional content. Do you think we see more for The Division 2? Yeah. I mean, Ubisoft is like so good at supporting their games through more life cycles than any other video game has ever had. So I, I, I'm going to guess we get a huge division two, um, um, DLC announcement. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, what about, you know, some of their kind of other games that are niche crowd, but people seem to still really enjoy it. I mean, I assume we'll get more content, maybe even in a pre-show type thing about like Brawlhalla track mania. Yeah, you know, we'll see the awful. Um, what is it? It's down here somewhere. We'll see. Well, we'll see Hyperscape. We'll see more about that. Um, Tom Clancy's Elite Squad mobile game, <laughs> uh, which I mean, it's a fine game, but it doesn't. It has no place in an E three presentation, if you ask me. Right, I hear you. I hear you. Do you think we get Just Dance twenty twenty two? Yeah, we'll see Just Dance for sure. We'll see. I don't know if I'm jumping the gun, but I think we're going to see the next Mario Rabbids game. That was good. You are jumping the gun a little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. Before we get to Mario Rabbids, because there's going to be a whole section of like games we don't know about yet. Okay. Um, 
Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Do you think they talk anything about DLC for that? Or are we moving on to the next Assassin's Creed, do you think? Maybe not saying they're going to show the next Assassin's Creed, but do you think they are going to kind of not talk Assassin's Creed this time? You know, I'm trying to remember. I think each of the past Assassin's Creeds have, they've gotten at least one big DLC, right? Yep. And this one I think has three DLCs planned, I think, right now. So yeah, I guess maybe we just see the new DLC teased, but... Yeah, we're not going to hear. They already said that they're not doing assassins every year, so right, we won't see anything for assassins. Okay, Beast Wall more than Valhalla. Do you think with Watch Dogs would be the same thing that maybe there's an update to DLC or something for Legion, but that's probably it. Maybe I don't even know that we see Legion. I don't. I think it was pretty like meh received. Mm-hmm. So do you I think, think we're going to get another Watch Dogs game ever, or is that it? I mean, three is a good number, right? You should probably stop, but no. I mean, I know there's diehards, so yeah, um, it wouldn't be. Oh, I wouldn't be mad to see another Watchdogs. Just, um, I mean, they've proven how what a great engine they built in that game. So I think more Watchdogs is on the way. Yeah, they Ubisoft is an unusual place that they released Watchdogs, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and then Immortals: Phoenix Rising, all within like eight weeks of each other. Right, so three yeah. huge games, all within eight weeks of each other, all at the end of 2020. So I changed my mind. Legion is there as a Game Pass. Okay, that's good. Legion, Watch Dogs Legion those... comes to Game Pass. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. I, I feel like we're gonna get a lot of Ubisoft games on Game Pass. Actually, yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's what's gonna happen. Um. Okay. So then, obviously, some of the other biggies. Uh, Beyond Good and Evil Two, Josh. Yes. Is it there? It is. Ooh, gameplay. What do we see? We see gameplay, eh? Yeah, they they have four studios, five studios working on this game. They've been super quiet, and I don't even think that that's a bad thing. Um, but they've been super quiet with people like me who signed up to be in the Test Monkeys program. Uh-huh. We didn't even get in content. We're not even get, we're not seeing anything. So, um, I think that they're intentionally being quiet. I think that they 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 got the dev kits for PS5 and Series X, and they just started all over. I really think that that's what they did. Okay. Based on based on what we saw and more more so what we haven't seen. This is their big bet, right? They're reinventing Beyond Good and Evil first and foremost. And f- everything we've seen from Good and Evil 2, it, it paints this picture with the broadest strokes of like where they think they could take this game, like to all ends of the universe. So they re- it's a super crazy ambitious like projects for them if they don't show us gameplay people are going to give up on it (laughs) it's not skull and bones you know it's it's arguably i know there's only been one game but it's one of the things that ubisoft is known for now that's true it is true yeah i i don't know if we're going to see this game i think it would be a nice surprise like i think to either start or end the show i think it would be a good way to go i think people would be really excited about it um yeah so we'll see i am not super confident but i would love to be wrong about it i also don't have strong feelings about beyond good and evil in general compared to most people uh so i'm okay either way um i know i had mentioned briefly earlier that obviously massive um we know is not working on a star wars game they're also working on an avatar game josh do you think we see that game not until next year, I think. Next year? With okay. Avatar 2. Gotcha. More in line with the movie time. That's kind of what I was anticipating. 
but it would it wouldn't surprise me if the game was there. Um, oh, sure, I also yeah. don't know that I'd be super. I don't know if I'm excited about that game. I don't. Yeah, think I have I no interest in it. <laughs> I, I'm like, maybe when I see it, I will be. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but that brings us mostly then, I think, to the unknowns, right? I, I don't yeah. think there's any other major thing that they're working on right now that we know about. Um, obviously, the big question is going to be Splinter Cell. Yeah. Do you think we see a Splinter Cell game? That's not a VR game because I think they have that. Listen, all I I don't know what to say about this. Um, they would be stupid not to be working on a Splinter Cell game. So uh-huh. I I just hope that they are. They've okay. already put him into two of their other games. And it's like insult to injury. Like they're like, we know you want Sid Fisher. Here he is in Ghost Recon Wildlands. Oh, thanks. <laughs> like we don't want that. Oh, here is uh, his outfit for Siege. Great, thanks. <laughs> like no, they need to do it. And I think it needs to be co-op. Oh, okay. Like uh, what was it? Blackout? No, Covert Ops. What was that Splinter Cell that was co-op? I don't even know which one was co-op because I only ever played them by myself. There was one that was a lot of fun where it was 2v2. I mean, it doesn't the game shouldn't be just co-op, but but yeah, I, I would like to see a cooperative um, Splinter Cell, but that can also be played solo. Right. So on a scale of per 100%, 0% to 100%, what percent chance is there that there's a Splinter Cell game there? Oh, <laughs> uh, 70 70 percent that's pretty yeah. good that's pretty good uh you already mentioned then you think we're gonna get mario rabbits too yes do you think that is like a hundred percent we're getting that i can't imagine them n- not making this game yeah i think it's a hundred percent chance we see it and, okay and you think it's hundred percent that it's this year that we see it yeah yeah i think so do you think it's coming out this year i think it's coming out this year yeah okay november cool. what else with Josh? the switch pro <laughs> <laughs> launch game <laughs> Uh, what else, Josh? What else are we getting from Ubisoft's E3 this year? What, what okay. would you like to see or what do you think we're going to see either way? I think we're going to see a new Rainbow Six, but not Siege style, like original, like Rainbow Six New Vegas style game. Okay. Um, it's such a, it's a market that they're not really tapped into. I know that they have Siege, right? And they have For Honor, but they don't have uh, a... Rainbow Six was like a approachable shooter for everybody, like Call of Duty. And Rainbow Six Siege is not approachable for someone just getting in. It's a very competitive, very challenging game. Um, and I, I'm not saying Call of Duty isn't, but how many people play Call of Duty? Like, it's a game where people ask for it with every console. It's a game that we haven't just seen a Rainbow Six, I think, since New Vegas 2, right? Not New Vegas too. <laughs> That's I'm mixing up Fallout uh, <laughs> since Vegas since Vegas two. So I don't. Then that was on the 360 in the PS3. So I think it's time for a new Rainbow Six um, game that is more in line with the Call of Duties of the world, uh, for sure. Um, I was going to say something else, and now I'm forgetting what it was. Um, oh, we covered Splinter Cell. So, yeah, I mean, I I really think, I mean, I've been thinking we were going to get a new Rainbow Six for a while, too. So, um, and something else popped into my head, and now I'm forgetting what it was, and I'm trying to search my brain for what it was. But, yeah, maybe we get, we get the tease, we get gameplay for the Rainbow Six Siege Parasite, whatever it is right. called, 
and then we get a tease for a new like regular Rainbow Six game. Okay, okay, I can see that. So I've been trying to rack my brain about, you know, what does Ubisoft like? Like, what's next for them, right? Because, like I said, they just released three massive games, and we kind of know a ton of other things they're working on. And though Ubisoft is a huge company. I was like, what What else would they be working on? Like, what other possible games might they, you know, still have up their, their sleeve? And that's what's so hard when you talk about um, their studios. Because if you think about a studio like Ubisoft Toronto, right? Like, they worked on Far Cry 5, Watch Dogs Legion, and Far Cry 6. So it's like, well, I'm trying to space things. That, like, you can't even, like, space things in a way that makes sense. Because it's like, who knows, like... They're probably working at nine games at a time because there's a thousand people <laughs> work on them, you know. Yeah. Um, and you know, you have Ubisoft Montreal, you know, who works on like all the Assassin's Creed, but also was working on, um, you know, Hyperscape at the same time. And then you have, you know, Quebec who did Syndicate and Odyssey, and then Immortals: Phoenix Rising. So they're probably a couple years out from anything. But here's what I've come down to, Josh. Number one, what I would like to see. I think all the things you said are good. Um, and I would be inclined to agree with, especially like the Mario Rabbids thing. Um, I would love to see, and I know this is probably unlikely, an, either a new Rayman game or something oh. using their, their Ubi art engine. And I know that for a while they had gone away from that, but they they have seemed to indicate that might be a possibility again. Because there's those conversations about you know really relying on these tentpole, huge budget games for them is becoming very challenging. Um, and, and then trying to ensure that they have the support and the content is becoming tough. So they might have the opportunity to do some smaller things in there. So whether it be Rayman or something else uh, in the UbiArt engine, I think would be great. Because I love those games and the games they've done in that way, I really enjoy, number one. Number two, to almost contradict myself... I think it's time for a For Honor 2 or something like that. I think For Honor has been very successful for them. And I don't, like you said, Ubisoft is not a company that typically gives up on their IP. It's something that they're going to go back to and go back to and go back to. So it's either I think we see a huge expansion if they decide they don't want to make an actual sequel or we see a sequel for For Honor. I think it's kind of about time for that to happen. Uh, if it's going to happen. Um, and I don't... Hmm. I'm just going to go ahead and say we're not going to get a Splinter Cell game to hopefully like make it so they prove me wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like... Because I know so many people want a Splinter Cell <laughs> game, and I like Splinter Cell. I, you know, I, I don't know that I'm as passionate about it as most other people are, so I'm just going to say we're not going to see it, because that yeah. way you know, then everyone could be like, I told you so, um, as far as that <laughs> stuff goes. Um but I, I'll be honest, like when I when I think about the things I enjoy from Ubisoft, like I really like Assassin's Creed. Um, I really did enjoy playing Immortals this year. Um, I'm looking forward to Far Cry Six, probably not as much as other people are. Like I like Far Cry, but I don't love Far Cry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to Far Cry, but like Assassin's Creed is really kind of like my thing. And then the other thing was Immortals. So I, I don't know that there's gonna be a lot here. I'm super super excited about, unless, like I said. They do show that Avatar game, and it has something kind of to fit in with that vibe for me. There's something about the Ubisoft open worlds that, in general, I like running around in and doing stuff in. Um, so if we see maybe something from Avatar or we see something new from them um, in a, a new IP or something, um, uh, you know, that I 
that I would be excited about. I, I'm looking forward to that. I, I do wouldn't mind necessarily a new open world game from them, um, whether it's you know Skull and Bones, solely reimagined or whatever else it might be. Um, and I do think you know, kind of building off what you said earlier, that we will see many of their games on Game Pass. Um, yeah. I think that's kind of a foregone conclusion at this point, uh, and I think that will be announced at E3. So yeah, anything else about? Ubisoft E3 this year. Anything else you think they should do, or you want to see them do? I wasn't thinking about it, but I think you nailed you nailed it with uh, a new Rayman. We're way overdue. Yeah, and even if it's like Rayman Legends two, like what a what a fantastic game for someone like me who doesn't really like platformers. Like Rayman Legends is such an incredible game. Yeah, and, diff- it, really, and it gets difficult. <laughs> it does get difficult, and it is really really fun. Um, I just, yeah, I, man, I wish that we had more of those games and it just, uh, so, so far, so far, yep. oh man, but Hey, at least you can always go back and play them. Right. Like that's fun. <laughs> no, yeah, that's sure. not, that's not fun. Well, well, we'll probably also see a ghost recon title update, like a DLC for uh breakpoint. Because apparently yeah. they're not giving up on that game <laughs> like everybody else is. <laughs> I was going to ask if you thought that we were going to get some sort of update to Breakpoint or if they were have moved on and were, you know, in a year or two, we're going to get, you know, the new Ghost Recon game as opposed to f- of just moving on from that, you know? I did forget. We're about four years out from the last South Park game. So we, are. we might true. be due for a South Park game, a South Park pandemic game. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah that's very true but yeah that's yeah um i think breakpoint they just did a big update to make the game uh more stable and they fixed a lot of issues so they're still supporting it so i, I would imagine some dlc um is coming but uh, I, i'm not interested in it i'm just i might try the game again at some point but you know we're getting into the thick of video game releases and i don't yeah. see that happening soon yeah. And I mean, I'm sure they might give some updates on some VR stuff because they've obviously announced a few VR games at this point. Um, so maybe we'll see some updates there or maybe those will be saved for their partners who they're yeah. making them for. So we'll have to kind of wait and see. But uh, either way, too. yeah, either way, <laughs> I think it's going to be a really interesting year for Ubisoft because I, I, it seems like they're in position to show us either some really, really incredible things or kind of the complete opposite of like, hey, here's Just Dance. Here's some updates to the games you all know about already, and we'll see you next year. Like I feel like it could really go one of the either way. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. I, I don't know that there's going to be a middle ground for Ubisoft this year, but I think they they pretty much always surprise us, and they're always our our favorite of the show, of E3. So I I I think I still expect them to have a good show. It just may, might not be what we're expecting. Yeah, I mean I I tend to enjoy their show just because I do like a, a number of their games, but. Uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see what Skull and Bones has become. That's really what I'm super interested in, to <laughs> yeah. be totally honest. So, awesome. All right, Josh. Well, it's that time of the show where it's uh, prediction time. So, what is going to be announced, Josh, between oh. us recording this podcast and it releasing on Tuesday morning? I don't know. Um, what is okay? Um, I'm trying to think of something not controversial and realistic. Okay. Uh, CD Projekt Red says that the next-gen update for Cyberpunk will not come in 2021. 
Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what to guess. <laughs> Monday mornings hasn't been become a thing now. We all the news hasn't been dropping like normal for us. It's like, true. It has they, kind they of They happen weird. like that Tuesday or later now. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And that yeah, that is making it challenging, that is for sure. Okay. Mm, cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with my oldie but my goodie, I guess. Not really, but in this case, uh, we're going to get the announcement of the state of play for Returnal. Oh, okay. Yeah. You think so, they want to show off too much of the game? Well, here's here's the thing, Josh. They need to sell $70 units. <laughs> well, A, that. <laughs> but B, I try to keep in mind that I am maybe more plugged in to PlayStation news and things than most people sure i feel like i know a ton about returnal that i know everything i need to know about returnal but yet every day when i'm on the internet people are like we don't know anything about this game and i'm like really because let me show you all the information that is available to you um but I also am very specific in the way that I surf the internet, the places I go to, the fact that I don't have television, so I have no idea if there's commercials for this game. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, like, these are the things I just don't <laughs> know anymore. So people are telling me that we need more information about Returnal. People are saying we need more information about Ratchet & Clank, too, which is fine. I, I don't disagree there, either, because for Ratchet & Clank, I, I think we've seen the very same things, like, three times. But... If PlayStation is truly treating this like a AAA PlayStation game, I mean, we got a state of play for Destruction All-Stars, Josh. We did. So I think we're going to get one for Returnal. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what else they need to talk about because I I know everything I want or need to know. But people are telling me that I'm wrong, Josh, that we need to know more. So I think we will find out more. Okay. So I believe you. Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. And with that, we we're going to start wrapping the show up. So we're going to move on to our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one other recommendation, suggestion, or thing we are currently into that's helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners this week? So I had some thoughts. Again, I've had some good ones to share. Um but I decided I'm going to land on... I'm going to talk about what my recommendation would have been next week. So uh, I'm going to recommend Debris, uh, which is on Hulu or NBC. If you don't have Hulu and you have cable, who, if, who are you? Um, or maybe you have Sling or something. Uh, Debris is... How do I describe it? It is uh, a show that is uh, an homage to Fringe or The X-Files. In that is how each episode is told. <laughs> They're usually contained episodes with a um, uh, a ongoing narrative in the background that isn't always the focus. It is called debris because you are following this team of two who one works for. Um, MI6, I believe, and one works for the United States um, intelligence. I don't know if it's CIA per se. And he's from the Black Donnellys. I don't know if you ever saw that show way back when on, the, on NBC, which I loved. I should probably tell you what else he's from, but that's what I'm going to go with. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's called Debris because uh, um, 
the United States or the world picked up on a a alien space um, craft like explosion or accident, and the debris from the wreck starts slowly falling to Earth, but the debris has um, different effects on people and places, and they're not all the same, and they are trying to collect this debris. They have machines that can read how much uh, this of this fictional, that's not radiation, but like this fictional thing that they call it, um, puts out. And uh, it's definitely, I think it's more fringe than X-Files. It has more of the science fiction-y than the horror um, tropes, but it, it it's a solid show. I'm really enjoying it. And uh, if you've been missing fringe or never watched it, uh, and did like X Files and are missing it? This is a good show to jump into. All right, that sounds awesome. That is Debris on Hulu or NBC, depending on what kind of TV stuff you have. Yeah. Um, my recommendation this week is maybe a little bit of a unique one. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Um, I think it is that time. You know, I I kind of talked last week about cleaning off, cleaning your grill and all that good stuff. I think it's time to clean some other things too, Josh, and that is to clean up your social media. Take some time, go through your social media feeds, and really think about who you're following and all that good stuff. And, you know, social media can be very challenging. um, And make sure that the people you're following and the things that you're following are things that make you feel better. And, And I'm not saying to surround yourself in an echo chamber, right? Like, I'm not saying that you should only talk to or only hear opinions that you agree with. But I am saying that you should be selective in that when you listen to things or are following people you disagree with, make sure that those are people who are doing those things in a way that is healthy for you um, and that is challenging appropriately and ask questions reasonably um, and engages in conversations and and ask hard questions in ways that are not um, detrimental to your mental health. Um, so take some time to make sure you're checking that stuff out. Um, never hurts to kind of go ahead and clean that stuff up anyway, because if someone hasn't posted in five years why are you still following them like what good does that do you you know so just take some time clean up that social media uh and make sure that it is you know being a positive contributor to your life and not one that is being a drain on your life that's great advice all right so josh what do you say we wrap this show up let's do that thanks for joining us everyone in addition to finding us on twitter and instagram at board with fiji you can find us on facebook.com sorry for people who have to listen to me hit my headset on my microphone every <laughs> like five times every episode, I'm sorry. It's just bigger headphones right now. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash board of the Fiji. So feel free to give us a five star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, feel free to email us at board of the Fiji at gmail.com. Also, we have some listeners who just DM us on, on Facebook. You can also do that. Uh, no problem there. We tag our stuff with hashtag board with VG. So feel free to use that hashtag as well on all social medias and whatever podcast service you're listening to us on. We encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You know where to find me on all the things at Why So Serious S I R R I U S. And yeah, my switch code's out there somewhere. I start I'm gonna start posting like like weird like engrams you have to decode to find out what my switch code <laughs> is. 
Um, it's only on my Animal Crossing island, and you have to get there to find it. Uh, Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. I also have a Switch code. I have no idea what it was, but if you <laughs> we are friends on Switch, you'll see I've been playing Astral Chain lately on Switch. So there you go. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.